finance industry myself. Um, was blessed to actually get into the finance industry no more than three months after I actually graduated college. So um, I'm only 29 years old, but I've actually been in the industry now coming up on eight years. So um, have gotten a plethora of experience dealing with about every faction of life sector of people. So from your high net worth individuals to, you know, those that you would say don't have two nickels to rub together. So been able to help them all. So, you know, it, it's one of those things to where I consider it a blessing to be able to be equipped not only in the natural but also spiritually too, um, just with some wisdom to be able to, to help people manage their finances, um, especially when it comes to planning for their future, okay? Um, but we'll jump in. I just had a, um, how we'll break it down today is we'll start off just with some, some spiritual tips as far as some things that you should consider, um, you know, and also ask God about in terms for planning for your future when it comes to, you know, retirement um, or even just other things you want to do with, with, with your finances, okay? Um, so we'll go to the first slide here after that. I, I always say to, you know, in my industry, they're really big on planning. I kind of, I try to steer away from the word planning and try to say vision, right? So, any, and that's not just with finance, that's just anything in life. You, I'm sure all of you can attest to say, hey, when you have a plan or you have a vision for something and take the required steps and kind of follow that through, it goes a lot better for you rather than just, just trying to throw something together and, and wing it, so to speak, right? Um, so Proverbs 21.5 tells us that good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. So how I take that is there is no magic bullet. There is no, I guess you could say, you know, lack of a better word, perfect investment out there that's saying, okay, hey, if I do this, then I'm guaranteed to, to hit it, get, get rich quick, right? In, in real life, that's not applicable. Scripture even says it's not. <laughs> so, you know, so that's, that's one of those things uh, that I always like to believe is that start, you know, start with the vision, start with the plan. Say, hey, where am I at today? Where do I want to get to? Okay, if I don't know how to get from point A to point B, then I need to find somebody to help me. Um, so we can go to our next slide, which actually kind of leads into that. Um, pray for guidance. Um, I, I always say, that, you know, not only for just for yourself, but for the individual, whoever that may be, um, or maybe you don't have an individual, maybe, you know, you, I wouldn't say maybe, you do need to pray about it and have God lead you to the exact individual that is anointed to help you in this particular space. Um, 1 Timothy 6.17, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable, which is true. Uh, their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. So I kind of go into that mindset because what I do is, you know, it does involve stock market investing, all that, ebbs and flows, fluctuations and all that. I don't put my trust in the economy or the stock market or what's going on, who, you know, we're not going to get into politics, but whoever's in presidency, you know, Republicans, Democrats, that to me, that doesn't matter. Um, it's more so my trust is in God, correct? So it, it's one of those things too. And even for my clients, I, I kind of take the mindset too, just because I'm blessed to be a blessing that my clients are going to be blessed also, right? So regardless of what's going on, okay? Now, um, doesn't mean don't be informed, okay? Because you do need to know what's going on, all right? Because that's part of it is because praying for that guidance, whoever it is could potentially steer you in the right direction to maybe avoid some things, okay? 
you know, that otherwise you might not have known about, okay? And also, too, to get on that, and I hate to bring this up, but there are people that do what I do that do it for the wrong reasons. Um, you know, so be extremely prudent uh, when, whenever you're talking to whoever it is you're talking to as far as, you know, okay, hey, I know that I'm having to pay you for advice, so what am I paying you for? Um, am I paying, you know, for, you know, management fees on my stuff? I mean, as long as they're open with you and forthright and forthcoming with that information, then you're probably in good shape. I would just tell you to be very wary if you go in to talk to an individual and they never mention cost to you at all. So um, just because I've seen it, I've seen people getting taken advantage of, I've seen people get into things that now all of a sudden, not only did they pay to get in it, now they got to pay to get out of it if they don't like it. So um, just be cognizant of that. Uh, we'll go to the next slide. Stay flexible, that leads into my next point. Um, with my book of business, my clients that I have, I do my best to make sure that they can stay flexible. So not only the natural, but also spiritually, because like Brother Jerry was saying, you know, 10% is guys, 90% is stewardship, meaning that at any time, you know, the Lord could speak to you and say, hey, these are some certain things I want you to do financially, and you need to be able to have access to your money right. to to hear from God and, and listen and, and follow through on that, okay? There are certain investment vehicles out there that make that difficult, okay? Um, I'm surprised I didn't get any questions on it, and I might, but, um, you know, annuities are one of them, you know, as far as that, you know, I'm not saying that they're all bad. I'm just saying that they do limit pretty heavily your liquidity and flexibility to access those funds should you need them. Now, they do offer guarantees and all that, and I'm not going to get in the weeds talking about annuities, but, you know, just be careful, okay? I would all, I try to have my clients in a position to where everything they have, they have access to it, to where, you know, they can call me and say, hey, Josh, I need X amount. I click a few buttons, they have access to it in a few days, okay, for no cost, all right, to, to take money out. So um, something else to consider, too, whenever you're talking to your professional, your retirement planner, financial advisor, whoever it may be, just to make sure that you're still in a flexible position to obey God, okay? See, we'll go to next slide. Uh, last one here is, I'm actually going to read this scripture because I think it's, it's actually really good. Um, and I actually got some things out of it too. I'm a very, I guess you could say straightforward individual. Um, my wife can attest to that. But, you know, so, so, some, so sometimes I'm more the type to where, like, I'd rather somebody tell me like it is and be direct. You know, right or wrong, indifferent. You know, just so that way I know where to stand. This actual parable here that I'm getting ready to read actually is pretty direct and has some pretty straightforward tones in it. So um, I am going to open up and, and read this here. Um, it's actually talking about the, uh, the three servants. And I'll even, for, to keep it relevant, I'll even kind of modernize some of these terms. So uh, Matthew, go to Matthew 25 and start in verse 14 here says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. So instead of servants, we're going to call them employees, right? So we're going to call them employees. So there's three of them. Verse 15, and to one, he gave five talents. Talents is, for lack of a better word, dollar, okay? It more so describes units of value in biblical terms. It's not talking about, you know, he can juggle 
or do backflips, right? So when you think talent, now that is where that word actually was derived from, is from that biblical term which is used to describe units of value. But instead of saying talents, we're going to say dollars, just for, just for the example, okay? It says, to one he gave five dollars, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Now that actually stood out to me, and I've read this many times, and I, I noticed that for whatever reason when I was actually studying up on this, and it says to each according to his own ability. So what that made me think, like, okay, there's a reason. Somebody got five, somebody got two, somebody got one. So whoever the, the these these folks' boss was knew something about these individuals to be able to to divvy that out. But but anyway, we'll continue on. Then, Verse 16, then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And by Lord, it's small L, so meaning, we'll just call him his boss, right? Hid his boss's money. After a long time, the, the boss of those employees came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five dollars came and brought five other dollars, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five dollars. Look, I have gained five more besides them. His boss said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you rule over many things. Verse 22, he also who had received two dollars came and said, boss, you delivered to me two dollars. Look, I have gained two more besides them. Boss once again said, well done, good and faithful servant. Verse 24, now I guess the one who put it under the mattress, right? <laughs> then he who had received the one dollar came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Now here it goes with excuses. I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. Fear is always, always involved. I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his, Lord, his boss answered and said to him, now this is what I was mentioning about me being direct. You wicked and lazy servant. I, know, I don't know about you, but I never want to be called the wicked and lazy, especially by my bosses. Um, you know, so I, always, I thought that was kind of comical when I read that. So I, I was like, no, that's not who I want to be. Uh, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have... And this is verse 27. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him or the dollar and give it to him who has ten dollars. For to everyone who has more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable employee into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. <laughs> So that, that does not sound pleasant for the one who essentially knew what he was supposed to do because his other two cohorts and employees did what they were supposed to do, and he chose not to just because he was afraid because he didn't, didn't have as much as the other two did. And I read that verse to say this, kind of like Brother Jerry said when it comes to budgeting, you got to start where you are, okay? Um, we'll go over some, some more visual here in just a second that actually shows that, in essence, it's not how much. You know, it's just a matter of when you start. That could actually pay a, a huge dividend for you down the road. And also, on that same token, it's never too late to start either. Um, I help people every day 
you know, that more so of, you know, hey, I'm, I've never participated in, you know, 401k program at, at my employer. I'm 55 <laughs> years old. I want to retire. I don't think I'll be able to do it. Can you help me? The answer is yes, we can help you. Okay. Now, there might be some things we have to do that are a little, you know, different from the norm and wouldn't be something that you're comfortable with up front. But once again, there are some ways out there, some avenues to where you can still be helped. So say all that to say start where you are. Now, inside of your binders there, um, we're actually going to jump into some stuff before I get to this visual here. There are actually some, what I like to call, uh, some little keys. Now, I, I do like this that uh, my employer, J.P. Morgan, actually I put, put these together so I can't take credit for this. But I actually did think this was really good as far as just kind of divvying up based on where you are in life. Just some things you should be thinking about when it comes to your finances, your future, you know, long-term planning, th things of that nature. So I'm not going to read these word for word. I'm just going to hit the bold here. So we'll start, you know, for some of you all are, are younger like me. So if you're in your 20s, you know, set up an appointment at some point just to talk with an advisor, you know, somebody to help you. And I could actually even say that can be right now, right? You're getting some advice. You're going to have somebody that's going to help you as far as, okay, hey, these are some practical things that you can do even at an early age to kind of more so get a jump start on retirement and planning for your future. Um, second bullet point there says set up a budget. And Brother Jerry did a fantastic job as far as hitting on that and, and showing you some practical things that could help you there. Uh, you know, decrease debt, we talked about that. Uh, learn how to invest your money in efficient accounts. What it means by that is think of things like your employer's 401k plan, okay? Now, I know not everybody has a 401k plan. Some of you have what are called 403Bs and 457s and TSPs and all, and all that, that fancy terminology. It's a retirement account that your employer has set up for you, okay? Um, so you want to be able to participate in that, okay, and know about it at an early age too, okay? Um, and while we're on that too, with your... You know, your retirement plans, that your employer-sponsored plans, we'll call them, that your employee has set up for you. I know, always pay attention to if they match your contributions or not, okay? I'll, I'll, my rule of thumb is at bare minimum, you need to figure out how much they match, and that's bare minimum that you need to put in there. Because uh, in essence, it's free money. So, for instance, say if your employer says, okay, hey, we will match you, call it 100% on the first 5% that you contribute. Right, so just to make the math easy, we'll say you make $100,000 a year. 5% of $100,000 is five grand. Well, you really now you got 10, okay? And that second five was essentially handed to you by your employer. So that's why I say at bare minimum, that's what you should do, okay? Now, as far as over and above that, I'd tell you to pray about it, but I'd also tell you to do as much as you can, okay, even if it's over and above what your employee will match, or your employer will match, okay? Um, but at bare minimum, definitely do whatever it is your employer matches, okay? Um, if your employer doesn't have a match, you know, then at that point you can do things outside of that on your own, such as set up your own IRA even early on outside of your, what you've got going into your employer plan, and there are certain amounts that you can put in there, we'll get into that a little later. Um, last point on 
20s is be willing to adjust for emergencies. What that stands like Brother Jarrett's mentioning about just having kind of a, a cash account, cash haven. I, people ask me all the time, like, okay, hey, I've got, you know, a little bit extra money. What should I do with it? Should I invest it? You know, in the natural, I normally tell people, like, okay, hey, if you lost your job today, you probably need to have about six months' worth of living expenses in cash before you even think about investing the dime. You know, just not saying that that's going to happen, but if it does, then at that point you're prepared for it. Anything over and above that, feel free to invest it. Um, now, as far as what investments, everybody's different, so that would just kind of depend on where you are and, and where God leads you, okay? Uh, now to the, to the next one where it starts talking about um, in your 30s. Um, we already talked about that. Bump up your contributions if possible, okay? Bullet point number two, consider a Roth, okay? We'll get into this a little later too, but I'll touch on it just briefly. So essentially what a Roth is, it's, itself is not an investment, okay? Any IRA in and of itself is not an investment. Think of an IRA, and I'm a big analogy person, so think of an IRA as a garage to keep the tax man away, okay? So, you know, hey, I've got this garage, that's my IRA, all right? Think of the vehicles that you park in said garage as your investments, okay? So, which is, and I'm sure some of you know that there's many different types of vehicles out there, right? So, and that's why, you know, that's why there's many different types of investments, but the IRA in and of itself is not an investment. So I have people all the time come in and see me, hey, I wanna set up an IRA. Okay, hey, my, you know, my IRA's not making any money. I thought it was going to. Well, you set up the garage, there's no vehicle in it. So, you know, so, so thinking like, okay, hey, I'm coming in to, you know, max out my contribution for tax purposes, you know, put, it's just sitting in cash, not doing anything, which really defeats the purpose of putting it in there to begin with, other than just to get the deduction. So I tell you, if you're going to get the deduction, might as well see some growth from that money too, instead of having it just sit there, okay? Um, now, another good point too about a, about a Roth. Inside of your plans that your employee sponsors for you, some of them actually allow for you to make a Roth contribution. Now, what a Roth means, okay, is that that is essentially money that's taxed on the front end so that way when you take it out, you don't have to pay tax on it again. So basically, you pay tax when you put in, all that growth stays tax deferred for you throughout the years, however long it is it's in there. Whenever you withdraw that money, you don't have to pay any tax whatsoever, okay? Now the, the key to that, inside the 401k, income doesn't matter, okay? If it's not inside the 401k, it does. Reason being is, We'll use, I always use the example, okay, hey, 35-year-old, let's say you're making, once again, $100,000. Now, when you retire at 65, do you still be expecting to make $100,000 in retirement? If the answer is no, Roth's probably not the best option for you because why would you pay more in taxes on a $100,000 income rather than, say, if you're going to be on a forty dollars to $50,000 income in retirement? Okay, so that's just some, some basics as far as, hey, does a, does a Roth really, really make sense for me? I always encourage Roth, especially for younger folks as they're first starting out. So um, I get a lot of either new hires or new graduates that will come in and see me. And first thing I tell them, I was like, on top of your plan, you need to set up a Roth. 
okay? Just because as much as you can get the tax man out of the way early on while you're in a lower tax bracket, the better off that you'll be down the road. So, I mean, I've even seen it for myself. So kind of where I'm at now, I wasn't there four or five years ago or eight years ago whenever I started, right? So I was able to get the tax man out of the way on some of that to where now it's, it's gravy going forward. Um, now going, just kind of moving on a little bit, you'll see going to your 40s there. Uh, once again, talks about reviewing your gold. We use the term called a customized financial analysis, but that's more so just your plan or your vision, okay? Um, just review that, you know, kind of see, hey, have things changed? Have things stayed the same? Am I still on track? Okay, because for, for me, that is the foundation of whatever it is you do investment-wise. You know, so once again, I get the question all the time. Hey, somebody come to my office and sit down, hey, I want something that makes 10%. And I'll look and I'll be like, okay. And then I'll just be quiet. And I, I'm, I'm not opposed to silence. It doesn't bother me. Sometimes, sometimes silence is good. I know there's, there's some folks that think silence is completely awkward. For me, I'm, it's, I'm okay with it. Just because they're thinking that I'm about to give them, once again, the magic bullet, and I don't have it. So then if they don't respond, I'll look at them and say, okay, hey, I don't, I don't know what 10% means for you. 10% could mean that you're taking way too much risk than you need to take based on where you're at and what your goals are. 10% could mean could, that might not be enough for you to do what you want to do. You know, so let's back up and let's talk about, okay, hey, let's get away from returns and let's focus on, hey, what your goals are and what your objectives are and kind of where you're at today and what we need to do to get there, okay? So that's really the premise of having that plan is because that will serve as the foundation as far as how you manage your investments and your retirement accounts going forward. Um, next point says beneficiaries for, for you and your parents. I, I think that's actually pretty important, um, especially dealing with, you know, some of the elderly. I've, I've got some that'll come in and change the beneficiaries four or five times throughout the year. Okay. So, you know, just, you know, just, so, the, so the, the motto is to be nice, younger ones, be nice to your grandparents because they can easily come in with the stroke of a pen and cut you out and we don't want that to happen. To so, but, but no, but that is important. So even, you know, if you're at the age where your parents are kind of getting up there next, just talk to them about it. I mean, you don't have to say, hey, you know, I want it all, but, you know, just, <laughs> right. You know, just, but just, just make sure that they have everything in order. Um, I'm sure that, you know, they probably will, but it will do them well. Just know that somebody's looking out for them. Um, talks about in here about paying off debt. Talk about that with Jerry. Um, maxing out. What, what max out means is there are certain amounts of monies that you can put into um, IRAs and 401ks, okay? Um, for IRAs, if you are under 50 years old, okay, you can put $5,500 every single year into an IRA outside of your employer plan to invest and grow for you over time, okay? Now, this is why I say it's not too late. If you're over 50, there is a caveat in that rule to where they actually give you another $1,000. So instead of $5,500, it's $6,500 that you can contribute into an IRA after the age of 50, okay? Um, now, with 401ks, they do have limits on there, especially if you're a highly compensated employee. 
um, you know, and there's ways around that to where, you know, for instance, if, if you are close to maxing that out, you will probably be notified of that, um, and then you can make the necessary adjustments. Um, but typically, whenever we talk about maxing out contributions, it's more so in that external IRA space outside of, of your employer plan, okay? Uh, right, and then underneath that, I've got safe for tuition. I marked college out, okay, because like Brother Jerry was saying, it'll mention 529s in there. 529s, like I said, used to be for college expenses only, okay? Um, 529s, you know, essentially would be something that would be, be set up with the help of somebody like myself, just so everybody understands what a 529 is. 529 is a national investment account, okay? So it does, when you put money in there, it doesn't just sit there. Okay, so they try to invest it and grow it to be able to help fund, you know, education expenses for said child. Okay, um, now, now, Brother Jerry, help me with this. I don't. I know in Indiana they do get the tax deduction for that. Is that in Kentucky? Do they get that as well? Okay. Okay. Yeah, because most folks I deal with live over here, so I always do stress to them that point of okay, hey, you do get that deduction for the 529 plans if they do decide to set one up. Uh, moving right along, so you know, say if you're in your 50s, that's where it starts talking about catching up on your retirement plan. That's what it talks about, those catch-up contributions that I was just mentioning with the $6,500 that, that you can put into a, an, out, an outside IRA, develop plan and budget. See, there's a lot of symmetry here between planning for your future and also getting a grasp on your budget. So, so they always work, work hand in hand there. Um, Reevaluate asset allocation. What that means, that's a fancy term of, you know, hey, just check on and see how you're invested um, and if it makes sense for you. Uh, you know, you could be a little more aggressive, you know, or you could be a little too conservative or you could be where you need to be. But not a bad time to check up on that, especially in your 50s because I've seen it, you know, as folks get into their 50s, they start thinking about retirement more and more and more. Some of them even have the countdown clock at home. <laughs> Counting down the days so they can leave out and never come back. Um, avoid early distributions. Um, early distributions, if you take out of an IRA or any retirement account before the age 59 and a half, the government does assess a 10% penalty on top of the income tax that you have to pay, okay? So it's not cheap. So avoid that at all costs. Uh, it talks about updating your own beneficiary information there. Um, and then lastly, before we move on, it talks about, hey, if I'm in my 60s, what are some things that I can do, 60s or older? Uh, we'll say, hey, are you on track? Meaning that, once again, going back to your plan, referencing your plan, saying, okay, hey, am I still okay? Then it talks about, you know, hey, when's a good time to file for Social Security, which is a huge, huge deal, okay? Um, a lot of people don't know this, but your Social Security amounts actually differ the longer that you wait to take them, right? So most people will start running to the Social Security office at 62 and say, okay, hey, I'm here, cut me my check, even if they don't need it. So I always say the best thing to do from a practical sense is if you don't need your Social Security, don't take it until you have to, or at least until your full retirement, just so that way you're maxing out that benefit, okay? 
um, just because essentially at that point in time, you're actually giving money back to the government. So they could say, okay, hey, if you take it at 62, just an example, you know, we're going to pay you $1,500 a month to where if you had waited till 66, they might give you, let's say, $2,200 a month. But you add that up, especially if, you know, with longevity, over your lifetime, that's a huge discrepancy as far as, you know, potentially what the government's saying that you're entitled to. So now there's no magic set age as far as, hey, this is the age you should take it, because once again, everybody's situation is different, okay? It's just something to consider whenever it comes time to, to approach that, okay? Let's see, it talks about you know, income and budget again, asset allocation, catch up. Last one talks about health care. That, that is probably the, the biggest aha moment from whenever I sit and talk with soon-to-be retirees. They're saying, okay, hey, I want to retire at the end of the year. Hey, what does it look like? Okay, and I, we sit there and we go through the process and start doing some planning. Then I get to a healthcare piece and say, okay, hey, since your employer's not going to be providing you basically paying for your insurance anymore, yep, get ready to budget about $1,000 a month out of pocket for healthcare expenses. On top of that $1,000 a month, be ready for that cost of healthcare to inflate 6% every year. And I, they, they just look at me like a deer in the headlights, like, what are you talking about? So the biggest expense that I've seen as far as with new retirees or soon-to-be retirees is out-of-pocket health care expenses. Now, there are ways to plan for that, okay? And at least in my business, I always make sure to account for that whenever we're putting together that vision or that plan, just so that way when it happens, we're ready for it, okay, in any situation. And we're invested accordingly. So... Moving right along. Now, we'll, uh, also in your packet, it's got <clears throat> so a couple things as far as just the different types of, of IRAs. I know we hit on them a little bit. Um, how many business owners do we have in here? Awesome, quite a few. So, first piece is exactly for you. There is actually a type of IRA which is designed specifically for small business owners. It's actually called a SEP IRA or a simplified employee pension, okay? I always term it even though it's not the correct acronym. I was like, okay, hey, can I get a SEP? I kind of call it a self-employed program, right? So SEP. So basically what you're able to do is you're actually able to establish a plan not only for you, but if you have employees, for your employees as well. Uh, now as far as the contribution amounts to those are a little bit different than they are within a, say, a traditional or a Roth or just kind of your standard IRA, okay? Um, I want to say that, and I might have to reference my notes, and I might if I, know, if I think I'm wrong, but I want to say that you can contribute up to, as a, I want to say up to 25% of your employee's salary into said account, or you can even do as much as 20% of your, I believe it's net profit, if I do believe. Yep, net earnings for self-employed individuals. Now, they do have maximums on there, okay? And even with the new tax rule, they bumped it up to where you can actually contribute up to $55,000 if it meets those criteria, okay? So there are things out there for small business owners not only to save for retirement or set aside funds for retirement, but also for their employees, okay? And just, just think, think of that, I'm thinking of it as if I was a small business owner, if I can actually push that as a benefit 
for employees that's saying, okay, hey, yes, I'm a small business, but you do have a retirement plan here. It'll help you with retention. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, Brother Jerry, they also get some, some tax benefit from that as well. Okay. Uh, just to move along, talking about just the traditional and the Roth, you've got a little cut out there. Um, I'm not going to go through that, but what it has on there is a essentially the side-by-side -side comparison between the two, okay, as far as some of the benefits, some of the cans and can'ts, you know, that go along with, with each one of those, okay. So, you know, just, so just for that piece, those are essentially your tax garages and your options for that, okay. Now we'll get more so into a visual as far as some practical things to consider um, whenever it comes to, okay, hey, now that I've got my tax garage is set up from a retirement standpoint, what should I consider? What are some things I should think about as far as how to manage funds within that? So we can actually go to my visual here. I get to ask this question every day now is for the longest time, we've just been under the, I can't really call it a, a false notion because saving is a good thing, but it's just been safe, 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 right? Now, there was a point in time when you could do that and be okay just because of where interest rates are. Interest rates, even though they've been starting to creep up a little bit over the last few years, are still historically at all-time lows. And you've probably seen that in your bank accounts, right? The bank gives you three cents a month in interest, right? And you're like, <laughs> for what? <laughs> so what this chart shows is basically it goes over the last 30 years. That gray bar, or the bars, indicate the income or interest that was generated on $100,000, okay? We'll call it, it says six-month CD, but we'll call it cash, okay? So, as you can see, over the last 30 years, you know, that gray bar's been steadily going down, right? Now, those blue tick marks, what that represents is inflation, okay? Inflation is real. And it's something to think about because I get asked, I get asked questions all the time. Hey, I know I got all this money in my savings account, but you know, I don't want to invest it. I just like seeing a hundred thousand dollars on my statement each and every month. And I sit there and tell them, I was like, in all actuality, you're losing money. And they're like, what are you talking about? Inflation. Okay. We estimate inflation, which is still historically low for right now, but in Kind of our day-to-day, -day, we say, hey, average inflation is somewhere probably around 2.5% on the high end, okay? Two and a quarter, two and a half percent. So just in my mind, what, and what I, how I teach clients and how I try to help clients is, okay, hey, if this is idle cash, you know, that you're not needing per se for, call it the next six to 12 months, if you're not getting two, two and a half percent, at least you're losing money. You know, now, if you're okay with that, you know, that's fine, but, you know, just to, just to inform you, that's just the reality of it, okay? Um, and, we, you know, there are things out there, you know, that, you know, essentially can get you there. Um, now, like I said, I'm not going to really get into much product today because that's, everybody's different, okay? And what might be right for one person might not be right for the next person, so, um, but that's just definitely something to consider. So that's also why I was mentioning that, hey, whenever you make your contributions, make sure it's not just sitting in cash, okay, because that is to your detriment, especially when, when thinking long term. Um, but we can go to the next slide. 
Now, investing, as you all know, and you all seen the commercials, it says, hey, you know, principal's not guaranteed, risk of loss, fluctuation, all that deal. You know, that's disclosure because they have to. For me, I look at inflation, or not inflation now, but diversification as a positive, which kind of helps make up for that, okay? To me, investing is not a bad thing. To me, invest. I always look at investment investing as a no-lose proposition if you're in it for the right reasons, okay? Now, once again, always keep in mind that, you know, investments are a resource, but they're not your source, okay? Um, so once again, you know, if God t doesn't tell you to invest, don't invest, okay? I know Dr. Jacobs has said it publicly that he doesn't have a dime in the stock market. God didn't tell him to do it, so he didn't do it. So he's not, he, he's absolutely right, okay? You know, for instance, for the next person, I might tell him, like, hey, I want you to do something with that money, right? So this is just a resource. It's not the end all. It's not the answer, you know, to every single question, but it's just something that's out there that's available to help you, okay, if God so leads you in that direction. Now, but what this goes over, though, it actually has, and this is, I actually found this very interesting as far as why, Diversification is important and why just cutting down on volatility. So anytime you hear volatility, think just upwards and downwards movement, okay? Um, when you hear diversification, think all your eggs aren't in one basket, okay? I'll use, well, I'll use J.P. Morgan as an example. So I've got some J.P. Morgan stock in my retirement plan, okay? It's not 100% of my retirement plan. Reason why? When you buy individual stock like that, can be really volatile, okay? Um, something, something that I've even seen and noticed is that especially when you work for certain places and they give you stock, okay? Because I know I had, I know Brother, Brother Les mentioned this morning, he's got some, got some company stock. Great thing to have. What you got to be careful of is that doesn't become a huge, large part of your, your nest egg, so to speak, because slightest bit of bad news, bad press, whatever could take that, you know, or decrease the value in that substantially in a short period of time, okay? So what this, what this slide shows is just, okay, hey, we've got three different investment accounts or portfolios there that all average 10% return annually over a 10-year period. So portfolio A, which is the top one blue line, has 5% volatility. Portfolio B has 10, portfolio C has 20. So even though each one portfolio averaged 10%, portfolio with the least volatility has the most money in it, okay? I'll use an analogy. So say if I got $100, okay, and say my $100 goes to $90 in year one, okay, down 10%, all right? What's it going to take for me to get back to where I'm, averaging 10% the next year, right? 20%, okay? Now, I have a same $100. It goes to 95, okay? What's it going to take that next year for me to average 20%? 15. I've, I've got less of a hole to climb out of, which, especially when you talk about compounding, and we'll get into compounding in a second, actually is beneficial in the long term. So, Whatever it is that you're doing, okay, always make sure that you're diversified in, in what you have, okay, inside of your account. So, like I said, 
a lot of different things you can do as far as just specific investments, but whatever it is, make sure that you're kind of spread out, don't have all your eggs in one basket. Um, we can go to the next slide. Now, this is actually very interesting when it comes to the conversations that I have daily and more so people that are fearful of having investments because they're not guaranteed. What this has is this is actually has tracked performance of investments since 1950, okay, all the way up through end of last year, 2017, okay? So now the green bar just says, okay, if you had all stock, all right, in those rolling periods, that's how you did. Blue is all bonds, okay? And the gray is a 50-50 portfolio. What is common about all of, all of those bars as you get further out? The longer you have them, the narrower that spread becomes, okay? That's why time frame is extremely important when it comes to how you're investing. So for instance, somebody that is my age, yeah, I might be able to, to be a little more aggressive just because I've got a little bit longer to where, say somebody that's a little bit older, you know, but of course it's based on their goals and what they're trying to do, but we'll just say status quo, they're probably not gonna be as aggressive, okay? Which is fine, but this also says too, that even if you're aggressive, conservative, wherever, the longer you have it, the better off you'll be, okay? And I always use that five-year rolling period as kind of my go-to whenever I'm talking to folks and trying to ease some of that angst is since 1950, if you've had just, we'll call it a balanced portfolio, so 50% stock, 50% bonds in your account, you can take any five-year segment of time over the last 67 years, you've never lost money, ever, okay? You know, that's counting, you know, the recession in 08, that's counting the tech bubble early 2000s, you know, you've never lost money in a 50-50 balanced portfolio in a five-year window, which isn't really that long of a space in time, if you think about it when it comes to retirement planning and long-term planning. So always maintain a long-run, a long-term mindset, okay? Because you're going to have some hiccups. There'll be some times where you get your statement and you're like, oh, what happened? And the first thing that's going to try to come to you is fear, okay? So now this is just, you know, the natural side of it, but how much more, especially if that's something God's told you to do, you know, should you just stay with it? How many times have we heard that in this church, stay with it, right? So the, yes, that applies to some spiritual things, but also on the natural too. You know, I always say, you know, hey, if God told you to do it, what's there to worry about, right? So even in your spiritual life, same thing. You know, it's not always smooth sailing, right? But when you're convinced that God told you to do something, you, you never waver, right? You never back down. You know, you just stay with it and keep moving. Same principle applies here, okay? We can go next slide, please. All right, now this is actually pretty interesting. So this talks about compounding. So a lot of times when you own stock or investments, they pay out dividends and interest, Okay. Now, you, you do have the option to take those dividends and interest as cash, right, and spend them, do whatever you want with them, okay? I'm a big believer in that's just things that should be reinvested, okay? And this is why. This actually tracks the growth of $10,000 on the S&P 500, which is just essentially an index that tracks 
the 500 largest companies, okay, and their stock prices over the last 40 plus years, okay? So it says if you put $10,000 in that particular index in 1970 and didn't touch it and reinvested your dividends, that $10,000 is now $1.2 million, okay? To where if you took the dividends out, that $10,000 is now only $290,000. You go from $10,000 to $290,000, you're like, oh, that's a pretty good investment. That's not bad. You know, but just seeing what you could have had, had you had just reinvested your dividends, this is an astronomical difference, okay? So just think of that anytime you get dividends or interest and things of that nature. If they're reinvested, they're just buying more of what you already have, okay? So, and that's why I say it's kind of a win-win situation. So let's say, you know, kind of going through a rough spell, you know, say, hey, like, oh, I got my statement, my statement's down, you know, but they still give you a, call it a 5% dividend, right? So that 5% dividend is now going back in buying more of your investment at a cheaper price. So you're actually acquiring more shares, really. So if anything, it's like when you get a statement, it doesn't look that hot. If you're getting dividends on it, you're still winning, right? To where even if you get it, you know, because if you get it and your statement's up, you know, you're high-fiving, you're, you're happy about it. I've always found that when things are going well, my phone doesn't ring. <laughs> no, nobody wants to talk to me when they're making money. So, you know, but if there's a few weeks or a couple months where that statement doesn't look too, most time people want to come in and talk to me, see what's going on. Sometimes they want to yell at me. So, but, but that's when I always have them slow down, back up. That's why it's important to always have a vision, have a plan, because that's kind of what you go back to. Okay, we're unsure. All right, hey, let's check, see how we're doing, okay? If that's still on track, that still looks good, we don't need to make any adjustments, okay? And it's, it's interesting because when I first got in the business, you know, when stock market would have a bad week, bad month, bad quarter, you know, I'd have people constantly want to come in and see me, call me, call me, call me, coming in, hey, what's going on? Do we need to change this? Do I need to get out altogether? And I'm having to talk people off the cliff. <laughs> but, however, I have noticed that now, especially from conditioning my clients, I won't call it brainwashing, that's kind of a <laughs> We'll call it conditioning that, okay, hey, it's not all about returns, it's about, hey, are we still on track? They can actually see their financial plan online. So, as an example, you know, stock market was down probably about 10% in a very short period of time within the last few weeks. I probably got one phone call, okay? For me, that means, hey, they're starting to get it and starting to see that, okay, hey, you know, this week or month or whatever, you know, like, this money's got to last me another 30, 40 years, so I'm not going to panic over something that happened in a week's time, right? So, now, you watch CNBC, Fox News, MSNBC, whatever it is that you, that you choose to watch, they'll swear up and down the sky's falling. And any time, you know, the market's down a few hundred points or whatever, even a thousand points, you know, it's, you know, big, bold, red letters, you know, take your money and run, it's, it's all going, you know, going, going downhill quick. You make some adjustments. So that, that's just fluff, okay? They have to do that so people will watch. So <laughs> if they say, oh, you got a retirement account, you're fine. That money's got to last you another 30 years. Oh, no big deal. No, they're, they're going to try to put things out there to either get you to click on an article or to stay tuned in and, and, and watch their network, 
okay? So, you know, not a bad thing to, to use it as information, just to, like you said, keep yourself informed, you know, but that's not the end-all be-all. When you see, you know, these traders on the street throwing paper in the air and panicking and sweats and all that, so that, that's, that's not what I do, okay? Now, th now there, are, there are people that, you know, do what's called day trading, which is, you know, kind of trying to make a lot of money in a short period of time, okay? Uh, now, those are the guys that need to worry, but if you're doing it the responsible way, Time is your friend, you'll be fine. Uh, we can go to the next slide, please. All right, so this is when we talk about how it's never too early, okay, you know, to, to start saving, all right? So this is more so geared towards uh, the younger crowd since I'm one of you guys. So what this has on here is it's saying, okay, hey, if we start at age 25, and let's say we put $5,000 a year into an account and invested it, with an average of 6% return, it's got three different scenarios. So the blue scenario is consistent Chloe. It says consistent Chloe invests from ages 25 to 65, earning 6%. So her net investment is $200,000, okay? She was consistent every year, $5,000, boom, 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 boom. So Chloe's portfolio is now worth $820,000, 238 cents. Okay, just from being consistent, right? And so Chloe at 25, you know, $5,000, you're like, ah, that's not a lot of money. You know, being consistent paid off for her. So I think Chloe's the one in that scripture that got the, got the five talents, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, next one down is purple. It's, it's late Lila. So late Lila at 25, like, ah, you know, it's not important. Or, you know, hey, I want to do this, do that, run around, don't want to pay myself you know, each month in my budget, like Brother Jay was talking about. So she didn't start until 35, okay? But from 35 to 65, she was still pretty consistent, okay? Every year, $5,000 in that account. So now her $150,000 investment is now $419,000, okay? So she's not as far along as Chloe is, but she's not doing too bad. Now, I will say is that, you know, you would think that, okay, hey, you know, eh, I, can, I can wait to start. Look at the astronomical difference just from 10 years, just on a $50,000 spread, just to, just to do the math. So the only difference on the investment from Lila and Chloe is just that $50,000, but the end result is a $400,000 difference. That's where she, but Lila's also missed out on 10 years of compounding, right? Which is why that number, there's a big discrepancy there, okay? Now, the next one down is, calls him Quitter Quincy, who started at 25 and said, okay, I'm gonna put $5,000 in each year. Then at 35, he was like, you know what? It's not doing well, I'm just gonna quit. I'm gonna do something else, okay? So his net investment, you know, $50,000 total, okay? Even then this is once again the benefit of time and starting early. So even though Quincy quit, okay, after just 10 years, just because he's compounding and still getting that 6%, at 65 his account is worth $401,230. Okay? So I think I think that's kind of an interesting take on it if you look at it. So 
just because of when he started, even though he quit. He was, essentially, he was only doing that for 10 years, but almost has the same amount of money as somebody who started later and did it for 30. To me, that's powerful. Uh, then the last one is, is Nervous Noah. So Nervous Noah is, you know, I'm, I might hurt some feelings, but Nervous Noah is like a lot of our parents, grandparents, or even maybe how some of us are, are, okay, hey, I'm just going to save this money, and I'm just going to keep it in a savings account. Stick money in savings, stick money in savings, stick money in savings. So Noah was still consistent, okay, put $5,000 a year in a savings account for 40 years, right? So then at the end of it, just say, and it's set, and for the example, it estimates that that cash account is earning him about 2%, okay? So nervous, no, even though he was consistent and had the right premise, just because his execution was poor, he's got the least, least amount of money out of all of them, okay? Even like, so... His ending total was $308,050, okay? So what that shows is the earlier you start, the better, okay? Don't really worry about dollar amount, especially to start, okay? It's just a matter of taking the course of action and then also choosing an investment that's appropriate for you and also keeping that long-term mindset. So we'll go next slide. Now, this is, this is actually very important too. So when it comes to compounding like we've discussed, tax deferment is huge, okay, when it comes to that, okay? Now what this shows is, and the reason I say that is I'll give you this example, so, well, I'll just use the example on the screen. So what this says is that, say for a $100,000 investment, okay, it's got, with the same amount of return. So you put $100,000 in, you don't touch it. Don't do anything with it, just let it ride, do its thing, okay? After 30 years, <coughs> the ending balance on a tax deferred or an IRA investment, we'll call it a traditional because it's after, after tax or before tax contributions. That balance is now $574,000 on a $100,000 investment, okay? The one below that is still a tax-deferred account, but you pay tax up front whenever you put the money in. So we'll call that a Roth, okay? You know, that amount is now 441000 because remember, we're having to pay Uncle Sam every time we put money in, okay? Now let's say if we just don't put it in a tax-sheltered account at all, right? Because there are, like, for instance, I've got clients that have got investments outside of their, their IRAs, okay? their total is the least. Because every time they get dividends or interest, they're going to get a 1099 in February saying you owe taxes on this money. Okay? Every single year. Okay? And they've got the least amount, $355,000. So that's why when we talk about contributions and maxing those out, that's why that is extremely important. Okay? Not saying that having, you know, accounts that are taxable are a bad thing. Okay? But I would tell you that before you add money to those, you need to make sure that you're maxing out your tax-deferred investments first, okay? Um, let's see, we'll go to the next slide here. And I think I, I am done. So, what that, um, yep, that's it. So, really what I wanted to get over to you is it's never too early, it's never too late, 
But the main thing that from any type of takeaway is before you decide to do anything or make changes or, or do anything, you need to pray about it, okay? Ask God to help you, ask God to direct you, you know, to not only what you should do, but the person that's anointed to help you, okay, for, for you to be able to find that person, okay? And secondly is once you get that in order and you formulate your plan just to stay with it, stick with it. Anything with retirement or investing, it, time is your friend, okay? Time is your friend, time is your friend. Always remember that, okay? So, um, so thank you, Brother Sean, and to Pastor Jordan for, for having us put that together, and I am finished up.